Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. I am thrilled to introduce you to our sponsor, Windshape Marriage. Their weekend retreats will strengthen your marriage and you will enjoy this gorgeous setting, delicious food, and quality time with your spouse. To find out more, visit them online at windshapemarriage.org. That's W-I-N-S-H-A-P-E marriage.org. Thanks for your sponsorship. Dr. Katherine Hart Weber is my guest, and she is the director at the Flourish Center for Wellbeing in California. Regardless of your season of life, from child to living your final days here on this earth, you can glean something from this conversation because Dr. Weber elaborates on biblical principles with practical applications to aid you in living a life that produces eternal fruit. A few of our topics include sleep, stress, rhythms, and brain health. She's going to share some questions to ask ourselves and unpack some wise practices to put into place as we grow and flourish as God intended. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Dr. Weber. Oh, so good to be with you, Laura. Thank you for having me with you. Well, I want to go all the way back to your family of origin because you all were ahead of your time. Will you just tell us a little bit more about growing up in a home that valued a thriving spiritual life and psychology? Well, thank you for asking this. We don't often get to talk about our beginnings and especially my story because I was born and raised in South Africa. And so that's why I have an accent a little bit. I attended an all-girls Methodist school and a Baptist church that was very involved in the evangelistic tent ministry missions. So imagine, think Billy Graham style, the big white tents with the altar calls. And it actually was so much fun as a child because I would go forward to many altar calls and they were always so special and touching. But my dad was part of arranging these events with some missionaries from Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California. And he would help set these up and arrange these uh, with this group called African Enterprise. And long story short, dad was a civil city engineer at the time, and he felt called in his late 30s to become a Christian psychologist. And through his relationship and the influence of these American missionaries, he was asked to come to Fuller Theological Seminary to be part of uh, developing and setting up the School of Psychology. So his dad says he just got in the back of the boat as Jesus came by and called him. And that is how he sees responding, honestly, to all the opportunities that came his way and for us as a family. And my dad, who, by the way, is Dr. Archibald Hart, he was really the cutting edge of integrating Christian psychology right at the beginnings in the 1970s. And so I grew up around and being surrounded and exposed to a lot of the pioneering ventures in integrating faith and psychology and and neurobiology. And very early on, in my early 20s, I was really fortunate to embrace and and really pursue this integrative approach to whole person well-being. That is incredible to get to hear the backstory. Yes. 
Are there any psychological principles that have positively aided your Christian faith? Yes, and it's been a journey. You know, I I actually worked for African Enterprise a little while in my late teens and early 20s. And then I attended UCLA and studied psychology and kinesiology. And then I went to seminary and got a master's in theology. And then I got a PhD in psychology. So I have really got this backdrop of integration. And since the 80s, Laura, in this concept of human flourishing and the science of well-being, I have found it so helpful for integration in the Judeo-Christian faith. Because, you know, psychology actually originally had a lot of its roots in theology and philosophy. And then it became more scientific and medical, which has been great for the treatment of certain conditions. But we see a big trend now going back to integrating these disciplines, the medical, the neurology, and psychology, and faith. And so just not focusing on what's wrong with you and how we can fix you, but balancing this with promoting health and well-being, discovering your strengths and how you can grow and be resilient and really become the best of who you're created to be. So doesn't this sound like something that's so integrated with biblical theology, this concept of God's desire for us to live in shalom, you know, to have well, the whole person well-being and harmony and uh, wholeness to grow and thrive in abundant life. So honestly, you know, I have found this, this goes both ways because we have some scientific evidence now to really prove how much our faith practices benefit us and impact us. And I have found it honestly very convincing and very convicting to be more intentional about actually living this amazing heritage of the Judeo-Christian faith. We are so fearfully and wonderfully made, Laura, you know, and and sometimes as Christians, I just don't think we live into, we use a lot of Christianese, but we don't really live into and practically know how to live into this abundant life that we call to. As we all seek to live a vibrant life in Christ, how can we cultivate healthy lifestyles that promote lasting fruitfulness? Oh, that's such a good question because, you know, our lifestyle is is a big part of this. And, oh, you know, lasting fruitfulness, I mean, that resonates, I think, so much for us. We want our lives to matter and to, to make a difference, especially for eternity. I mean, lasting fruitfulness and for the people around us, we want to have impact. And, um, you know, I like this this scripture, Jesus says in John fifteen sixteen, you didn't choose me, I chose you to put you into the world to bear much fruit, lasting fruit. And, you know, that's part of flourishing is, is to be like a tree that has, has got vitality and, and fruitfulness, um, a beautiful botanical image. You know, I love the botanical images from the, from the Bible. And there's another one that Jesus talks about is the concept of the vine. Because honestly, Laura, you know, the first and most important way for us to be fruitful, Jesus tell us, tells us the only way ultimately is to stay connected to him. In John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, you are joined with me and I with you. And when you are, the relationship will be intimate and organic and the harvest is sure to be abundant. That's from the message. Because separated, you can produce nothing. So we learn that 
first of all, we have to receive this life-giving flow in order to flourish and be fruitful. We have to be connected to God. And then it says we'll just naturally produce good fruitfulness. You know, we don't have to struggle with that as long as our lives are aligned right. So our part then is this lifestyle choices that create this natural environment for growth, ultimately to stay connected. Um, the Bible also says we to be careful how we live. So that's our part, to be careful and to stay connected. So what does that look like practically? You know, first, I'd say make time for prayer and meditation in order to receive. We have to have a way to receive. Secondly, plant good thought seeds. You know, because what you think about most will grow. <laughs> and so a lot of that fruitfulness comes out of, you know, thinking good, good thoughts. There's a lot of ways to be fruitful. Out of the fruit of our thoughts comes a lot of our emotions and our character and our actions. And then thirdly, I'd say plant good seeds of character and habit in your life. Because what you sow, you reap. What you do repeatedly, you become. So, so be consistent in what matters most and what's are really essential. And then surround yourself with people who are life-giving, who are seeding and planting into your life and encouraging you and helping you flourish and helping the, the best in you grow. Wow. I have to say, Catherine, I actually teared up as soon as you started responding because the Lord in his goodness has had me in John 14 through 16 this oh. week. And oh. This morning, what especially stood out was John fifteen sixteen, which I think you were quoting from a different version. And if I could just read the Amplified version yes, today. Please do. It says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have appointed and placed and purposefully planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit will remain and be lasting so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name as my representative, he may give to you. I'm so glad you read that. The Amplified is my favorite. And that version is my favorite. I thought it was too long to read. <laughs> so I'm so, I just chose the, the short version, but isn't that so rich? Isn't that so good? It's so good. And the Amplified is my personal favorite as well. So yes. <laughs> I share that oh, with you. But some of those extra words, you know, that's, you know, that's a verse to write out. I have actually had that written out as one of my favorite verses and to reflect on often and come back to because that is such a centering and guiding, you know, scripture. Absolutely. It sounds like God is teaching us a lot through that. Yes. Yes. And well, let's then cover a few more specific categories where flourishing is possible. What does spirit-filled living actually look like? Well, you know, coming out of that scripture, you know, when you think of that scripture, really, so much of the spirit-filled living is that natural overflow, you know, that natural being connected and having the life of Christ in us, then and the Spirit of God in us, it just naturally, you know, flows out. And basically, I think it it maybe looks like being like Jesus. I heard recently, well, actually a while ago, and recently been thinking about this a lot more. That you know, Dallas Willard was asked this question. You know, how would you describe Jesus? What would that you know look like to look like Jesus? And he said the one word for him is relaxed. And I like the term having a calm mind and a still heart. And I think Jesus was self-aware and he was self-regulated. You have to be very 
you know, he was aware, you know, um, what, what am I doing here? I only do what the father tells me. And, um, he was self-regulated. And even when he responded really assertively, it was purposefully and he was kind and loving and compassionate, you know, all the fruit of the spirit that we, we know. And, and the good news is that when we receive the Holy Spirit and we are a child of God and we are connected, the Holy Spirit is in us and the Holy Spirit will help us live this way because we, you know, we can't do it on our own. Um, we just can't. We have to have this abiding. And so I think a, a lot on the practical level for me, because I ask a lot of times I ask, so what does this look like? And I think practically a lot of it looks like what we now call emotional intelligence, whole brain living not allowing this stress center in our limbic system, our emotional reactivity to dominate and to have our thinking brain and our spirit help slow us down and be calm and relaxed. And so we can choose our response rather than just react out of fear or anger. Because a big part of that is, is you know, our default human nature. And so trying to live more and integrate our being more to lean more into responding to the spirit way of living. And I love that you started there with the spirit and with abiding. That's so foundational. Let's take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. I'm so excited to share today's sponsor, Windshape Marriage, with you. Windshape Marriage is a fantastic ministry that helps couples prepare, strengthen, and if needed, even save their marriage. Windshape Marriage is grounded on the belief that the strongest marriages are the ones that are nurtured, even if it seems like things are going smoothly. That way, they'll be stronger if they do hit a bump along their marital journey. Through their weekend retreats, Windshape Marriage invites couples to enjoy time away to simply focus on each other. These weekend retreats are hosted within the beautiful refuge of Windshape Retreat, perched in the mountains of Rome, Georgia, which is just a short drive from Atlanta, Birmingham, and Chattanooga. While you and your spouse are there, you'll be well-fed, well-nurtured, and well-cared for. During your time away in this beautiful place, you and your spouse will learn from expert speakers and explore topics related to intimacy, overcoming challenges, improving communication, and so much more. I've stayed on site at Windshape before, and I can attest to their generosity, food, and content. You will be so grateful you went. To find an experience that's right for you and your spouse, head to their website, windshapemarriage.org. That's W-I-N-S-H-A-P-E marriage.org. Thanks for your sponsorship. From that overflow, what wisdom can you share as it relates to relational health? So in in relationships, that's, you know, who are we? Who are we becoming? And how do we then relate with others? How is this fruit of our lives evidenced? And I like to think of this as just start with just being a nice, likable person. (laughs) Be someone pleasant to be around. Learn to be a safe place for others, you know, a non-triggering, non-anxious presence. I think that's Jesus. He's relaxed and calm mind and a still heart. And, and don't be somebody who triggers other people and, and, and is, as you know, creating a lot of reactivity in others. We call that a non-triggering, non-anxious person. And I think another, another aspect of this is just being a listening ear, someone that's attuned to other people to say, oh, you know, tell me about you. And I hear you. I see you. I get you. You know, I'm here for you to be someone who, you know, attachment theory, call that a safe place or someone who is a trust, trusting person. 
and honestly, this, this relates to all our relationships, you know, and, and our home first, um, and the people we're closest to, and probably is the hardest <laughs> for us to be like that. But then just to our friends and people in the workplace and, and just people around in the store, you know, everyone's going through something. And even when people are acting all difficult and, and maybe um, rude or something, we just need to remember that everyone's going through something and, you know, try to be the, the calming presence and the kind presence. And I can tell you just have that way about you as well. And I'm sure it was years of practice and agreeing with the spirit, but you have that calming presence. Oh, well, thank you so much. I think part of that's my accent. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, it's a daily walk, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. daily. It's moment by moment. You never know when something's going to come up and you're going to get triggered. And so, yeah, we have to create a lifestyle that helps us lower our stress response and helps us have that equipping deep within us. How have you personally created that type of lifestyle? So, you know, I, I think one of the most important things for us is to to realize that stress is different for each of us, and we all have a different threshold. So, you know, some of us are at a level two, some of us are at level 10 in terms of what's going to trigger us. But, you know, there's some basics. There's some basics that I think are most most helpful. The first is, you know, to think body, mind, spirit. Relax your body and calm your mind. Create a lifestyle that can help calm and lower this, what we call the parasympathetic stress response nervous system. You know, what's been helping me lately be still and quiet inside my soul and my body is things like just taking a walk in nature every day. Being out in nature is so helpful. Doing deep breathing, breathing when you're out, but just having times of just deep breathing, it really helps calm your body. And then having deep, meaningful, quiet times. Listening to guided prayer meditation apps, I've started doing that a lot more, just closing my eyes and, and relaxing and letting, listening to some of these apps, listen to amazing podcasts, you know, like this kind of, these, what you're doing helps us think for some things and equips us. And then the practice of gratitude and appreciation. This is so, so helpful. And there's a lot of science behind this, actually, of what this does, not only to our souls and our spirits, but to our bodies. And, and doing creative things that bring you joy, that help, you know, relax you and balance out all that stress and tension and little hobbies and just little meaningful things, you know. And then um, having deep, meaningful conversations with a close few friends there you can just share your heart and be known and be understood and just get clarification in your conversations. And the Lord can really minister to us and help us see things in those times. So so those are some of the things that, that I have found helpful. And I think it can be so easy to overlook ourselves, but how would you say self-awareness actually is part of God's design for us to flourish? Oh, I, it's huge. You know, I mean, the unreflective life is not worth living, you know, but I think we're hearing more and more, Laura, about the importance of self-awareness and self-reflection, especially with this concept of emotional intelligence and how important it is for resilience and, and to grow. And especially, you know, in our spiritual formation, 
Because if you don't know what you're feeling, and if you don't understand what's going on behind that, and you don't know then how to move forward, we, we can't discern God's plan for us to flourish. You know, when we go through challenging, difficult times, there are so many mixed emotions that can be triggered and so many deep layers that go way back, you know, to our childhood or previous events and just deep beliefs and our fears and our regrets and what I call anticipatory stress, you know, the fears and the anxieties we create and so much in deep in our conscious, our conscious. And, you know, I love that scripture that says, Lord, search my heart and my inner being and reveal to me, help me know what I need to know, what I need to see. You know, that's paraphrasing it. But we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to help us um, understand these deep, hard things these and these difficult emotions. And, and by the way, you know, we don't call these negative emotions as opposed to positive emotions. You know, things like fear and anxiety and anger and sadness, some of the things that we're afraid to be aware of, we're afraid to go there. Um, they're just primary emotions. So they messages and signals to help us be aware, to alert us to maybe some pain and some ways that God can guide us and help us. And so self-awareness and, and being attuned to all of that is our partnership with God and His plan to help us flourish and grow. Well, and as we're talking about all these practical ways that God has intended for us to flourish, I'm just thinking of the range of listeners, and we have people from high school to those who are in their final days and everything in between, but a large portion are young parents. And so I'm wondering, as you've gone through these different seasons, would you say this is available in every season, and how might it look different through those different stages of life? Well. You know, I think the Bible and God's invitation for us is absolutely, you know, he says, let the children come to me. And then he says in Psalm 82, you know, you'll flourish like a palm tree in your old age. You will still be vibrant and fruitful. And I love that scripture, even as we age. So, oh, yes, it's it's absolutely as long as you're breathing, you are on the journey of the way of spiritual formation and following so Christ, but I do think it's important to be aware of the different seasons of life. And, you know, I've been really aware of that because I had a big season in my life of my 20s when I was single and I was studying and I was very deeply involved spiritually in several streams of faith. And I have big chunks of time to do meditation and go on retreats and such. And, you know, then I got married and did a PhD and then had children and worked. And a lot of that I couldn't do. I had to re, I had to be flexible and readjust. And then one of my favorite mentors became Brother Lawrence. The, the, I love the prayer of the pots and pans and things where we have to then say, what does that look like for me to have quiet times and to listen to my apps? while I'm brushing my teeth and to pray literally in the closet a little bit while the kids are sleeping and I can't put the light on. And uh, so we have to be flexible and just know what is the invitation 
sometimes we're going through a season of stability and all is well, and then poof, comes the next baby, or gee, they all turn, they all become teenagers. So all through all the different stages, um, we have to be creative. And I think not feel like, oh, you know, I'm so deprived because I can't do this and all these things that are my thing I'm supposed to do. I can't do BSF Bible study because I don't have time. And so I'm just not going to show up. No, you know, just say, God, how can you meet me now? And what can be a meaningful way of God speaking to me and ministering to me? And so be creative and flexible. Oh, thank you for that encouragement. And there are still a few more practical things under the umbrella of flourishing I would love to ask. So can you think of any healthy ways to support our brain health? Oh, yes. The brain is so important. Brain health. Um, in fact, we're just seeing a lot more now coming out about how important a brain is. Well, we know that the brain is the center of just about all functioning in our life. Most everything comes out of, you know, our brain. But some of the things that we're hearing a lot about now, one of them is sleep. And we're hearing restorative sleep during difficult times and stressful times. People have a hard time sleeping. But sleep is so important in keeping your circadian rhythm, meaning you know, when the sun's up, you up, and when the sun goes down, and trying to keep that rhythm, it really does help your brain functioning and your emotional life. The other is healthy habits of the mind. What you think about and making sure you are aware of your thoughts and not having a lot of negative spiraling down thoughts, that affects your brain. Healthy nutrition, of course, eat for a healthy brain. Exercise, exercise is really, really helpful. It's one of the most important natural treatments for emotional health and for brain health disorders and, and functioning. Healthy relationships. We're seeing now a lot of neurobiology and verification on the importance of having healthy relationships and, and what that does, the neurobiology of attachment, they're calling it. And to just know, I see that you see me. And to be known and understood, very, very healthy for the brain. And then, of course, managing, mastering stress and having good stress recovery. These are all so important for a healthy brain. If we, if we don't, there's, you know, the possibilities. One of them, the challenges is what's known as anhedonia. And that just really means that you have an interruption of the joy and pleasure center in your brain. And so a lot of people say, you know, I just don't have any joy and I don't have any energy and I'm not interested in the things that I used to be interested in. And, and that's called anhedonia. And it's very common when you're going through a hard time and you're stressed to lose interest. And, and even it affects our spiritual life. We don't feel close to God. We don't feel like reading a Bible or even praying. So those, you know, that's one of the, I think one of the side effects in the, in the impacts of our brains not feeling healthy. And could you share a little bit of the hope with that condition of what can help us get back to a healthier state? Yes. So I think being aware of, of course, the root of it is, you know, what is causing this? You know, what is this about? 
because, you know, the treatment has to match the, the particular condition. And so, you know, what is this about? Is it just the consequences of, of, of chronic stress? Is it a season of loss? Is it a season of just a, a series of unhealthy lifestyle? So getting to the root of that, I think, is very helpful. And then in terms of moving forward, you know, think of how are you doing in all the basics of these that I was mentioning, you know, getting restorative sleep, eating for a healthy brain, getting some exercise, having some healthy relationship conversations and connections, thinking about your thoughts and and detoxing some negative thoughts and balancing it out with the word and scriptures and promises and healthy things. And then if it's because you've been going, going too much and you're doing a lot of what with sort of type A <laughs> pleasures, overworking and overstimulation. And honestly, there's a lot that we do that we don't realize is overstimulating, being on social media too much, running here, running there, overcommitting to a lot of events. That is depleting and that will deplete your pleasure center. So set some boundaries, take time for quiet, for some what we call type B pleasures watch the sunset, do some more relaxing, slowing things, and then try to engage with some of the hobbies and interests, even if it's one thing that sparks something for you. Do something that's enjoyable. Try and get some joy back in your life. What brings you joy? And just do some of these things that can spark and and sort of reboot some of those things in your life. And think of something even spiritually what do you enjoy doing? Is an app you like listening to? Or do you like journaling? Do you like doing collaging? Just do something and do it until you can start seeing some improvement to get that joy center, you know, up and going again. I hope that's helpful. That's so helpful. I just love how God intended for these spiritual disciplines to be so healing. Thanks to our friend Joy, the SavvySauce.com has been completely updated. And if you follow the Savvy Sauce on social media, you're already aware that we launched a new tab on January 1st titled Articles. I hope you check out these new Savvy Snacks, which are articles full of quick tips for intentional living. Check out these articles today or join our email list to have them directly delivered to your inbox. Enjoy! How does our digital health impact our overall well-being oh wow this is another whole <laughs> podcast conversation with my sister dr sylvia hartfried that's her expertise she wrote a book the um, digital invasion with my father dr archibald hart and i've learned a lot from her so i'll just share a little bit on how it's impacted me but too much time in in social media, the digital world and social media damages the brain. I mean, the evidence is clear in your soul and your relationship. It can cause so many problems. I mean, even depression. I have worked with women who've had Facebook depression. You know, that's actually a, a term, but it's impacted them so much in their parenting and comparing and contrasting and but I think it's really been challenging. We're living in a time, even, you know, having lived through a pandemic and, and having to be on media a lot more and children having to be on the, the web. And, and um, there's just such an increase and in such a concern. I mean, on one hand, it's been wonderful because we can do Zoom and we can do retreats. And I mean, I'm doing these trainings and 
um, working with people virtual. It's wonderful to have access, to be able to connect and learn and have resources. But on the other hand, I think we have to be so careful. We have to guard our hearts and we have to guard our minds, especially with all this junk that's coming on now. And it's being designed more and more and more to be addictive and invasive. And I think we just have to be really aware of setting limits and boundaries. Let's put it this way, Laura, that the people who are behind creating a lot of these platforms of creating them to be addicting and invasive and uh, controlling, they won't even let their own children be on it. Mm-hmm. And they won't even be on it. And they limit their time because they know how damaging it is. And the, the research is just so clear on it. It dumbs you down and it rewires your brain. I mean, we just could go on and on. So I just really suggest that, that we just be really aware of how important it is to guard our hearts and our minds, especially if you want to have live in the spirit and you want to flourish and thrive, life is challenging as it is. We don't need to have digital invasion that is toxic. And if you're interested in more of this, actually, if anyone is interested, my sister, Dr. Sylvia Hartley, offers a, a little a training on digital wellness, which is available on Flourish Center for Wellbeing, because it's, it's, it's really fantastic. And it's so important to know about this, especially if you have children. I want to make sure we have easily accessible links. So where can listeners find and follow you online to learn more? Well, the website right now where you can find me is Flourish Center for Wellbeing, flourishcenterforwellbeing.com. Or you could email me. Please feel free to email me if I can be helpful in any way. Dr. Catherine, that's D-R-C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, Dr. Catherine at Flourish Center for Wellbeing. We will link to all of that, as I said in the show notes. And you may know that we're called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge or insight or discernment. And so is my final question for you today. What is your Savvy Sauce? Oh, I just love this question. I love hearing all the different answers to this question. (laughs) But, you know, my Savvy Sauce for now, we each have a savvy source. And honestly, if you talked about different seasons, I think our source is different for different seasons. But my savvy source is to help me recover and restore. I had a really hard, stressful year. And so I am recovering and reorienting and restoring. And so um, I have a few ingredients, rest and relax, relax in Jesus, rest in the rest of God, uh, be still, uh, rest your body and mind. The other is to let go and trust, to let go of the stress and the worries and all the anticipations of you know the future. Just trust in God that he's over it all. And then live in the now. Just live in the now and listen. Live one day at a time, trying to be present to the present moment in the presence of God and just being aware that God is with us. He's with us in the now. And just listen to his voice of guidance and listen for his love to lead us in the way of Jesus. Well, Catherine, it is so enjoyable just to get to spend time with you. And not only do you have this calming presence, but I do just experience Jesus through interacting with you. And I think that you've equipped us so well in this conversation with biblical and actionable best practices to 
flourish holistically. So thank you very much for being my guest today. Oh, thank you, Laura. And I just bless you and the ministry you're doing and all the all those that are listening. This is so good and so much needed in the times we're in. And so thank you. Thank you so much. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news. And I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so He cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from Him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a Savior. But God loved us so much, He made a way for His only Son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with Him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished, if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.